Welcome to another edition of What the Cross Means to Me devotional program. This is your host, Rob Holt, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, and 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you as we are set to contemplate fresh perspectives on the meaning of the cross. These devotionals are taken from a book called What the Cross Means to Me. They are a collection of original essays contributed by a cross-section of Christian leaders. A compilation of 30 essays with 30 images. Images of a cross that I found on a lonely hill in San Jose, California. A cross that I shot over a two-year period. Today's devotional is the same name as the book, What the Cross Means to Me, written by your host, Rob Holt. It will take you through how I found the cross, why I created this collection, and in a sense, why this book came to be. So, the summer of 1996 was quickly approaching, and we had our whole life ahead of us. My wife, Verna, had just retired from her day job at the age of 24. She came home to work on continuing the success of our side business, a business that was bringing in much more than her income and even mine at that point. We had everything we needed, or that we thought we needed. Nice house, new cars, money in the bank, lots of friends at a thriving big church. We were in the process of trying to extend our family when we learned how insignificant everything really is. I had heard cliches like, here one day, gone the next, and the good die young. Yet I never thought much about the truths of such statements until that fateful spring day. That was the day that I felt God's presence take Verna's hand from mine. You see, unknown to any of us, Verna had colon cancer. And like the cliche, one day she was with us, healthy and happy and full of life. And then less than 24 hours later, she was passing through heaven's gate. When she flatlined, her hand was in mine, and without the ability to describe it properly, I felt the power of God gently take her hand from mine. Now, I'd also heard scriptures like, His peace passes all understanding. And for that day and for the following weeks, It did. The power of that moment gave me a different perspective than most, a peaceful perspective. You see, I knew deep down from that touch that he needed her, although I wasn't sure for what, 
all I knew is that the power of his presence kept me calm in the midst of an incredible storm. It was painful, but peaceful. Perplexing, yet purposeful. From the beginning of my new life as a widower, those around me misjudged my reactions. Some mistook my calm for apathy. I couldn't help how I initially responded. Most of those in my family did not have a strong sense of faith, and they seemed to depend on me. I had to be the one who was constantly giving comfort and peace to those who needed it. Some in my family, some in our circle of friends. Yet as time passed, an emotional vacuum developed as the reality caught up with my resolve. The friends I needed, some who I had given peace to, started to avoid me. I understood. I understood how it it became quite awkward for them over time. Our closest friends all had spouses, and I no longer fit in that group. There they would see me, and feelings of sadness would well up inside of them. I understand. So I slowly drifted away from everyone and everything. I mean, I sold the house, sold the cars, left my friends, got a different day job, and settled into a more isolated life. And yes, those peaceful feelings soon after her passing started to fade away, and God's presence seemed farther and farther away. The depression seemed to be settling in for the long haul. However, there was an ember of life still smoldering in my soul. You see, ten years before her passing, I had become a photographer. Completely by accident. My day job was at a test lab and someone needed to take photos of the client's equipment for the agency reports, and that became me. I enjoyed it. Made the lab pay for my college classes, and I really fell in love with photography. I tried various things over time, like weddings and corporate work, and none of it seemed to satisfy me, like shooting nature. Looking back at my early work, there was a lot of skyscapes and sunsets, so this seemed to be a natural tendency from early on. And I seemed to be going back to that. You see, I spent my hours after work, and almost any evening on the weekends, 
chasing new sunset spots with my dog. I became intimate with most of the best spots, and my only goal at that time was to enjoy as many sunsets as possible. You know, my sense of worth was how successful that business could be, but now my sense of worth was, or my definition of success at that time was quickly becoming how many sunsets could I enjoy. I was mesmerized by the angelic scenes that I would find. Hours seemed like minutes as I couldn't soak in enough of a sunset. It seemed that it was the closest I could get to heaven and it was the only place I wanted to be. Eventually, I began bringing my camera and fell into a habit of capturing the majestic skyscapes that I would find. And I noticed it became something keeping me from sliding into the quicksand of desperation and self-pity that I seemed to be on. Or in retrospect, it seemed that was the course I was on. But the real change, a change that seemed to make all the difference, happened when I found myself at the foot of the cross. You see, part of my new life was having a roommate. And that roommate would see my patterns of capturing sunsets and would see my pictures and said, you know, have you ever been up to this Diamond Heights Ridge? I admitted I had not. And so he took and introduced me to the Diamond Heights Ridge. Now, this ridge had a couple of great vistas as we hiked up there. I could see myself shooting from a number of them, but it wasn't until I came to the summit within one week of Ernest's passing, that I found myself looking at a 12-foot-high white wooden cross. Now, sunset was just happening, and the most amazing mix of light, shadows, and clouds happened. You see, this ridge is just under 300 feet high off the valley floor, and you can position yourself in such a way where sunsets happen at the base of the cross. And so where I was standing, the rays of the cross, I mean, excuse me, the rays of the light shooting through the clouds were pointing up. I don't ever recall seeing something like that. Usually rays of sun shoot down. But this was very interesting. And since I was shooting film, I had to wait to get the photos back from the one-hour photo lab. And I was amazed. I was mesmerized. And my best shot of the night I call the beginning. Because that was the first night I shot up there. Like I said, about one week from Verna's passing. 
Back then, I did not see this new journey in the romantic terms that I would later. I only knew that after looking at the pictures from the second night and the third night and the fourth night, an obsession developed. And on an artistic level, I became addicted to the to the answering the question of how differently could you shoot the same object on the same location or the joy of capturing completely different images of the same cross. But on a spiritual level, something was drawing me. Words could not adequately describe it except to say it was a very sweet spirit of grace and a spirit of peace one that I recognized and resonated with from the night that he took her hand from mine. You see, I never became bitter about God needing her. I was not angry. I was not bitter. Not once did that thought cross my mind. But you know, over time, between the time that she passed and starting to chase after sunsets, I had started to avoid God. And I think it was to avoid the pain. It was a defense mechanism. And yet, here I was, enjoying the experience of shooting the cross, soaking in a a sunset, while at the same time communing with God. At this area, I had found my quiet place, a secret place away from anybody and away from all the cares and worries and pain of this world, a place where I could spend hours by myself and with God. You know, when I first started chasing skyscapes, I was constantly searching. I was always moving from hill to hill, never really settling on one location. But on this spot, on this Diamond Heights, this place became my new home. Here at the foot of the cross, it became my place of introspection, recalibration, and reconnection. Reconnection with my Lord and Creator. Now, while it's true I I had a fair amount of sunrises and midday shots, my typical routine was sunsets, and I would get there an hour or two before sunset and sometimes stay an extra hour after that. For those of you who don't shoot, there's still light in the sky well past an hour. You just have to be there and look for it and know how to capture it. But some nights, I would read the sky and and tell it was about to go off and race up there as fast as I could get up there. Um, if it was a night I didn't plan to go, but I would see the, the, the colors taking shape, I would drop what I'm doing and head up there. Now, sometimes, however, the sky was cloudless and some would consider it boring, but yet I missed my time.
up there. So those are the most fulfilling nights of all. Nights where I never even took a picture. Where I would just go off there to ask more questions, get things off my chest, contemplate the, que- the answers that I felt I was given. Now, the most challenging nights, of course, were the nights where I would chase the lights, chase the lights, literally the lights of the sky, um, which in some cases would come for a minute or two or five or ten and quickly vanish. So I would many times run up the hill as fast as my legs would take me trying to capture a certain mix of colors and light. And uh, a nice like the, these, I would get to the base of the cross, survey the sky and the landscape, and quickly decide on which lens to use, my initial composition, and recompose, and finally get to a composition I felt was, was just right and get my shot. Then I could relax and realize that, yes, I was again at the foot of the cross. I could begin to enjoy without trying to capture it. Simply enjoy the view I so desperately wanted to capture without capturing it. And to begin to communicate with the spirit who brought me there. And so it was night after night on average, once a week for almost three years, the cross became my sanctuary, my place of submission and consecration. The cross became a bridge for me. This is what the cross means to me. The cross was the bridge that led me from a direction of despair to deliverance. From hopelessness to hope. From apathy to faith. And from feeling truly lost to rediscovering God's plan for my life. The cross spanned the separation from where my life was headed and ultimately, my breakthrough. What originated as a place where I could focus on capturing the spirit of the cross became a place where the spirit could focus on me. The cross is my bridge from death to life. Brothers and sisters, that concludes the essay as written in the book, What the Cross Means to Me, by Harvest House Publishers. And be encouraged through my story, because the bridge, the cross is not just the bridge for me, but for all of us. You know, one of the most impactful epiphanies that I had during that time was that because Verna had ex- 
accepted, and not just accepted, but lived, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on that cross 2,000 years ago, that because she accepted the salvation of that sacrifice, that she had accepted Jesus Christ into her heart to be her Lord and Savior, to be her salvation. She was not dead. She is alive in Christ. And through my acceptance of the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross, and if I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, and she is in Christ, she's alive in Christ, and she is with me. So yes, I will see her on the other side. I will see her again. But the good news of the gospel is that she is here with me now. She's alive in Christ, and Christ is in me, and I am in Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul in the epistles, I don't believe, I'm not a theologian, but I don't believe he ever used the words Christian as much as he used the reference in Christ. And that's what I'm talking about here. That the cross is a bridge for you to be in Christ. You know, as a photographer, I'm sure you'll allow me the analogy of a tripod and my perspective that the gospel is a tripod. And it is a gospel that can transcend denomination. Right? We're all brothers and sisters if we accept this truth of what I'm about to say. My analogy is that the gospel is like a tripod. You have the virgin birth, the miraculous virgin birth of God being incarnated into a human being. And after he had been crucified, the third leg is the resurrection, life from death. So the first leg is life from birth, God being incarnated into man through the birth of his mother Mary. The third leg is the resurrection in the tomb of being him being born again in a sense, right? Jesus coming back to life in that tomb. And to me, the bridge is that second leg. Jesus choosing to provide salvation for all of us through the sacrifice of his life for ours. Now, as a photographer, I need all three legs for that camera to stay still and to function properly. And as I mentioned, there's many denominations in our community, in our country, and in the world. Some get along, some don't. But we're all brothers and sisters if we believe in this same gospel. The virgin birth, the resurrection, and the sacrifice. 
the sacrifice being the bridge from our old life to our new life, from despair to deliverance. And that's what my message is today, is to share with you the good news of the gospel. And my heart is to inspire, to inspire through imagery. Today's image with this essay is called The Beginning. You can go to kkxx.net and you'll see a link to the photos and you can see the image called The Beginning. So I desire to share the gospel through the imagery that I've been called to create, the written word like my book, and the spoken word like I'm doing now. But the intention is for you, who can hear me now, to stop and reassess what you're focusing on. Realize that you get to choose your focus, right? One thing I didn't mention is that part of my photography career literally had me shooting NFL games. I did 12 years working for Pro Football Weekly. I've also shot other pro sports. At an NFL game, you can't shoot all 11 players. You have to pick one. Sure, you can have a little wider angle to, if you want to capture a bigger scene, but for the most part, I have to choose to focus on one player at a time. The point? You and your life get to choose what you focus on. I recall many times when I used to live in Silicon Valley being stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic, looking up at a most majestic sunset. Oh, my colors going on. Oh, my. Are you looking at that? I would think to myself, looking to the left, looking to the right, other cars stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Nobody looking. I'm the only one noticing this in my circle of eight to ten cars. Nobody cares. But God made everything around us. He made nature, he made your pet, he made your children, people you find yourself in at line, at Home Depot, at Costco, wherever you may be, there's people all around you. Some of them are divine appointments. So by looking at your life differently, looking at what's around you every moment of every day, striving to see the beauty of everything around you. There are moments that can be life-changing, people that can change your life, that if you hadn't pushed outside your comfort zone to say, Hi, my name's Rob. And a conversation ensue. You never know where that might lead. Because God made that person. There's something beautiful in that person. You won't know it till you talk to them. Right? So my encouragement is to Look around you differently. Always be aware that everything around you is created by God. Therefore, there's beauty in everything around you. Over the next weeks, we will continue on in what the cross means to me. We have 29 more essays to go. Next week, we will be discussing, reading through Max Lucado and his submittal for this book called The Gifts of the Cross and the image for this essay is The Branch 
So, I encourage all of you to have a great week. Go in grace and may God keep you in his perfect peace.